Um, I received an email yesterday wanting to know more about free will because of the title is there, is there life beyond choice and um, and how does that negotiate with re with free will I want to recap for a moment uh, last week entering into the world of Likutoit Filot and this notion for uh, Rabbi Nachman about the ability to have choice is the highest and the greatest gift that God gave us right the pinnacle element of creation was the was the human capacity to have choice not human beings not speech even but the human capacity for choice we uh, stopped really in this his last request I want to just repeat that last line and then we'll move on from there that I merit um, always to choose life in the appropriate way, the good way, the way of the good. What is good and also true. Aligned with your will and the will of the true tzaddikim. And I won't divert from your will in all days of my life, right or left. I like how it doesn't say up and, up and down, but okay. At least not right and left. Entering into our prayer for today. <laughs> master of the universe. Adon Kol. The master of all. Um, I actually wrote the Deval Torah for the Ziegler um, mailing this week, and I really highlight that word, Kol. Because the opening pasuk of the parasha is Atanit Savim Hayom Kulchem as if only part of us would be standing there? <laughs> because then it lists who's standing there. So then what is that kulchem being there? So, and I pose the question of what does it mean to stand in front of God with your all? And the totality of who, the totality of who we are. So in case you normally delete them when they come through, <laughs> I'm plugging it for this week. And that's going to be the question how we, what parts of ourselves do we bring when we stand in the presence of God? That's going to be the question. So we have the bold letters, Adon Kol, the master of all. Rabbi Nachman here is going to offer a concept that we would think is so counterintuitive, which is also one of the reasons why I love it so much. You taught us, you let us know, you informed us, you brought us to the understanding in your compassion that the core ability that we have to make choices is by virtue of the fact that you spoke to Moshe and Moshe spoke to us, but you did not speak directly to us. And because you did not speak directly to us, you did not speak directly in their presence. You are not in our face. Normally, we would think 
of that as being a downfall. Like, what does it mean to... We had an opportunity to see God face to face. And we're saying, no, 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 no. Because if I see you face to face, I'll never be able to doubt you. If I see you face to face, I'll never be able to doubt your existence. If I see you face to face, I'll always have to do everything you tell me to do. And then who am I going to be? Who am I? That's the deal. I remember being in my 20s, having this major meltdown. I was learning Mashiach um, with, with, um, with Rebbe Eli Chaim, of blessed memory, Rebbe Shlomo's twin brother, or he, Rebbe Shlomo was his twin brother, depending on how you want to position them. <laughs> they would say that they were roommates. I love that phrase. Roommates. Roommates. <laughs> yeah, roommates. Um, and I remember it was actually Parashat Kitzetzer. It was like last year, like 25 years ago. And... Um, and it was really about, we were learning a teaching from the Meshidoch, where there is no free will, that it's all God's will. And I remember starting to cry, how can this be? Well, if it's only God's will, then who am I? And I'm nothing, and I, I have no personal, no identity whatsoever, and it's all God. And then, well, if it's all God, then why does it hurt so much? And why does it, why? On and on and on, Rebbe Ellie is like so losing it with me. <laughs> no patience. He told me, I don't do crying. I'm not my brother. I don't do crying. So he wouldn't learn with me. He stopped learning with me. And then I had to promise him, because I was so desperate to learn with him, I had to promise him that I'd come, I'd sit, I wouldn't ask questions, and I wouldn't cry. <laughs> that was the deal. I said, I'll come. I'll come, and I'll sit there. You teach me. I won't say a word. I won't ask questions. I won't cry. I promise. You just teach me. That's all. So that went on for a couple of weeks until I got my question privileges back. Mm. And I'm thinking, you're a daughter of four girls. What do you mean they no crying? No crying. I don't do crying. For Rabbi Nachman, he's saying, if we, if we saw God face to face, right, this aspiration of actually having, like, Master World, give me a moment of clarity. Give me one moment in my life where I know you in a way that I don't doubt you. And for Rabbi Nachman, he's saying, if you had that moment, your life would never be your life. Because you could never make choices. You would have to align yourself. We would have to align ourselves with God's will. So God's compassion is to contract God's self so that we don't see, that we don't experience. What does that mean for us to, in, at moments to contract ourselves so we can be in relationship with someone? That we are not as big as we are. That we don't share everything. So that actually there's a space for relationship. There's a space for negotiation. There's a space for interaction. Remember it says, Reb Levi Yitzchak says on the Pasuk, Vayater Yitzchak lenochach Rivka Ishto. Again, this word nochach. Shifchi kamayim libech nochach p'nei Hashem. Pour out your heart, nochach. Right? Nochach is a presence. Nochach is a non-compromising presence. Right? For Reb Levi Yitzchak, when he offers that teach, that Pasuk, he says what Yitzchak was praying for was Yitzchak was praying for Rivka to be in her greatness so that he could be her true partner. He could be her nochach. And in order for him to be in the world, he needed her to be in the world the way she needed to be in the world. Now, who are those nochach people in our life? And I can't be who I am if you're not who you are. 
and the mirroring element that comes in the word nochach, that kind of presence, in which we look in someone's eyes and we see ourselves and their pupils. So for, for Rabbi Nachman, he's saying the human condition would be so compromised because we could never, we could never make choice. And what would our life be like? It's like with your rachamim, with your compassion, you didn't speak to us directly. Because you didn't speak to us directly, it's because of that. That we can actually choose all of it. Some of it, all of it, none of it, once in a while it, I don't know. Because if God speaks to us directly, then from that moment on, we've lost our freedom, at least in that realm. Therefore, I think it's a true question to ask ourselves, what are we asking? What are we asking for? Can we, as individuals, surrender that way to God? That's a question you can ask me. As a people, not. That's what appears Rabbi Nachman is saying. But can we, at some point in our life, say, Master Rolt, I'm giving myself over in a way, right, in which there are no questions. Is it possible within the human condition to do that? That's another question as well. Right? Can we, as human beings, come to a place of clarity, of no doubt, in a way in which we don't have choice? Or is Rabbi Nachman maybe saying that in some way, what he's offering us is to embrace what may, be, may feel like a curse. <laughs> what he's offering us is to celebrate a challenge that may be limiting us. If, I can, if I'm always in a space of choice, is it always going to be so hard? Is it always going to be negotiation? Will I never know, will I never know you, God? Or are there deal breakers in our lives? Some things are not negotiable. And I don't have a choice about that. And can it be that in some chapters of our life, some issues in our life, in some elements of our relationship with God, we enter into a no-choice space, and in others we maintain that choice? I think the element of choice is also the question of individuality and uniqueness. Because if we had no choice, again, we have no individuated, separate, separated identity. So choice is another way of talking about unique identity and individuality. And even within the realm of taking upon ourselves an obligation to live a life of Torah and mitzvot, what does that mean? So do we wake up in the morning knowing exactly what we do every moment? Or do we wake up every moment knowing exactly what, we, what we're going to do every moment and take that upon ourselves? That? Right? That's going to be the question. And what kind of, what kind of, what kind of relationship does, does God want of us? I mean, the flip of that is, um, I have a friend who once said to me, she says, do you know what my nightmare is? 
says, my nightmare is that I have a child who I was never called to school because of. <laughs> Being my friend, you can imagine what we were like, right? Definitely what she was like. But can you imagine, like, having a kid that never did anything wrong? Never, never skipped a class, never played a prank, never, never got in trouble? Right? I think there's actually probably a prerequisite. You cannot be accepted to rabbinical school if you've never gotten in trouble at school. <laughs> well, some exceptions. <laughs> okay, so there's no, no confessions going on here. No confessions going on here. Um, yeah, okay. So I can speak of myself. Although the, 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 the house rule was uh, decent grades and we're not called to the principal. But that doesn't mean not getting thrown out of class, <laughs> for example, right? It's just me. It's not being called the principal. She would say to me, she said, do you imagine what a nightmare it is to have a child that never got in trouble? Right? And for her, that was like, where is he? Like, where is he? Does God get to hear our voice, our personal voice? if we don't have the ability to make those choices. If we don't at least struggle with it, what's the value of the process? You can do everything right with a question, and you can do everything right. I don't even know what that, I can't even say that sentence, you can do everything right. You can aspire to do, I don't even know what right means. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> you can quote Rabbi Nachman. No, you can. <laughs> right? What's the quality of how we get to the yes? That's going to be the question. What's the quality of the journey to the yes? And I also want to say equally, what is the quality of the journey to the no? There's a difference between a no that is because I'm tired, a no because I'm lazy, a no because I don't care, or a no because morally and ethically right now I can't be here. Or I can't say these words because I don't believe them. Or I can't carry a kavanah when I say that brachan, it's going to be a brachal because actually if I say a brachal without kavanah, it's a brachal Right, that's going to be the question. There's a difference as well. There's a difference to the quality of the no in the same way there's a difference in the quality of the yes. And where does the not yet come in to that equation? And Rabbi Nachman has a black and white paradigm here. But where does the not yet come in? And as the Rabbanim, this is going to be so much of your work, is to help people, not only yourselves, not only ourselves, but to help others to navigate in this realm of the yes, no, the not yet, the never, the sometimes, the what if. The role playing, all of these elements. And this is the gift that we were given because God did not speak to us face to face. That's the deal. Everything that God says to us, face to face, we have surrendered our choice. 
we have no choice but to do what we were told. And I do think that we have that choice to make that choice. We have a choice to surrender choice in certain elements of our life. I think that's a legit possibility. Moshe had no choice in regard to the mitzvot of the Torah. That's why when he says, what we're reading now, I can no longer come and go. The Ma'oi Naim says, I, I no longer can fall from my level. Because for the Ma'oi Naim, no, each Hasidic Rebbe had a different dance. I once wanted to do this. I never did it. But to think about what, what dance each Hasidic Rebbe would have, which would be their dance. And for the Ma'oi Naim, it's one step backwards, two step forwards. That was his dance. One step backwards, two step forwards. You fall, you not only move back to where you were, but you move ahead. Because as you are pulling yourself up, you are strengthening your muscles in a way that they weren't before you fell. You must have done a lot of weightlifting. <laughs> that would be his dance. So therefore, he says on the pastuk that we're going to read now in the parasha, Lo I can't fall anymore. I've lost my choice. And if I have no choice, I'm not human. I'm not human. Right? So death is an is a external manifestation of his internal state. And not as we experience death, as an end of, but really for him a culmination of this human condition of navigating one state of spirit. Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, had no choice. Right? His, the, the culmination of his ability to be a Bechira, a master of choice, is where it wasn't explained to him completely. He added one thing. Something that you did not explain explicitly. There was one moment, one instant where God held back. And because of that, he, that was his place. Now I want you to take a step back for a moment because really what the Gemara is saying here in some way is you can't be human without Bechira. We're going to have to find somewhere where Moshe Rabbeinu had Bechira. Because you cannot be human without Bechira. So even with Moshe Rabbeinu, we're going to have to say that somewhere there was one pocket of a lack of clarity. Not in the existence of God, not in the obligation to Torah and mitzvot, but how to encounter the divine, how to prepare for the engagement. Three days, separate. Vehine. Vehine. Anochi, Rabbi Nachman. Be'oni, in my poverty, 
Right, so I have this image of Moshe Rabbeinu, of where I want to be, but that's not me. I'm not Moshe Rabbeinu. Me in my poverty, asher ha'ta'avot v'amidot mitgabrim elai, k'mo shemitgabrim v'rodfim uti b'chol et, me'od b'chol et. Me? I'm not Moshe Rabbeinu. I have challenges all the time. I have temptations all the time. This is my condition. My condition is I am human. Right, you guys may think I'm Rabbi Nachman. Right? And in Likutei Mooran, you may think I'm Rabbi Nachman. But in Likutei Tfilot, let me tell you about Rabbi Nachman. Let me tell you about Nachman for a minute. Like me? I'm a person that has desires, that has wants, and they gang up on me, and they pursue me. Right? The Baal Shem Tov says, there's something to learn even from the Yetzirah. Like, what do you learn from the Yetzirah? From the Yetzirah, you learn how to be alert 24-7. Right? Because the Yetzirah doesn't go to sleep ever. It waits until about 12.20 to get you to get to walk up and open the freezer and get the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> because until 12.15, you were, you were on top of your game. And that wasn't happening. Right? But when you start getting tired, <laughs> it's there. And it's going to send you straight to the freezer. Totally. <laughs> straight to the cookie box. Straight to the chocolate bar. Straight to another 20 minutes on Facebook. The Yetzirah, is, but that's the deal. The Yetzirah, the Baal Shem Tov says, 24-7, right? That's the deal. There's also another place, the Yetzirah. So I remember Shlomo saying this. He said, the Yetzirah doesn't tell you don't learn. It says learn Gemara. No. <laughs> so, Evi Nachman, he has these desires, right? They're on top of my case. The minute I'm like tired, the minute I'm like slipping, the minute I kind of negotiate, well, I won't have a whole piece of the cheesecake, I'll only have a piece of the cheesecake, and I'll have a bite of it, and like, really? And I have a one bite of that cake, and one bite of that cake, and I was like, ooh, you just had a piece? No, it wasn't really. It's all open for negotiation. All open for negotiation. Don't think for a minute that it's not a negotiation for me as well. Someone once said to me, oh, you have a Rebbe, you have no questions. I'm like, no, I have a Rebbe, I have all the questions. <laughs> what does it mean to turn to the source of affliction to help you heal? I need you I need your compassion. I need your salvation. I need you to give me strength. I want to make that decision. I want to say yes. Help me say yes. That's what I'm asking. Be my partner in this. I can't do this alone. God, God partner with me. See, that's the difference between a Torah and a Tefillah. Because in a Tefillah and a prayer, you can turn to God to partner with you. This is turning to God to partner. I'm asking you, please, help me. Choose the good, not desire the, evil, the bad. 
What am I gonna do, God? I love this. What am I gonna do? I shall no stop because if that's not enough, there are some things I don't even know what to do. If I knew what to do, I could make a choice. But I don't even know what to do. That's the challenge. Right? Now imagine as a student looking at him, not hearing him offer this tefillah. I'm sure they look at him and say, oh, Rabbi Nachman, he doesn't have any questions, he doesn't have any doubt. Everything is in place for him. He has the answers. Not only do I have desires, I, have, I live in doubt. And my reasoning, my consciousness, my ability to negotiate it, is divided in many different directions. To the point where I, don't, I can't really align myself with your will. I don't really know. I don't know. I have good arguments in every possible way. I love there's a humility in Nidmeli. It seems to me. I can imagine. שאם הייתי יודע רצונך באמת, הייתי מתנהג כרצונך בוודאי. I love this moment. It seems to me, right, it seems to me that if I actually knew, then I could, I could align myself with your will. And the truth is, like, this part of the tefillah, you know, I think I say like a, like a dozen times a day. Please, let me know. Let me know this is what you want. Let me know that I'm where you want me to be. Let me know that I'm doing what you want me to be doing. Let me know. Yeah. Do you think he's being sincere with this line? Or do you think the whole point of this Torah is it's like a teenager? Like, I want to do the right thing, but I want distance. Don't tell me what to do. Because the moment they, if I know what you want... That means you've revealed yourself to me, and I have no more choice. Right. I'm praying for choice, but I'm ultimately praying for his distance. I'm not praying for clarity. Yes. So he's talking about this whole thing, and then he says, "But it appears to me that if I had, I really want clarity." But that seems to be like the the line where he winks, like he really he doesn't want clarity. He I think he does. Clarity through distance. No, I think he. I, I think that for him. Right. It's going to be the. That's always the distance is the challenge. The distance is his natural state of being. And maybe I could, I could come closer to you in saying that I don't know whether he thinks it's possible. I don't know if Rabbi Nachman thinks that he will ever be in a state in which he won't have doubt. But this is a winking line. This is, this is like a line where he says, I, I, I would love for you to know the truth. This is exactly where I want to be. But yes. it's not, this line is not possible in his, in, his, in his theology. In his theology. Right. So the question then is going to be, for all of us, if it's not in our theology, does that mean it's not an aspiration? Or is our theology limited to our conceptions and our sense of reality as is? And so therefore, I think it's true that for Rabbi Nachman's theology, where he's at, he knows that there isn't that possibility. But Moshe Rabbeinu did exist. That's going to be his negotiation piece. There was a Moshe Rabbeinu. 
he does, he can, he can share the words, he can share the wisdom, he can talk about what that looks like. And therefore, does that maintain a space for him to be an option? In my personal language, sometimes I would say, not in my lifetime. Maybe in my soul's lifetime, but not in my lifetime. Right? I remember my mother, she should live well in good health. I remember I was just sharing this with someone uh, yesterday, which is why it's on Shabbat, which is why it's so in, in my mind. <laughs> Growing up, she used to say, when I would complain about something, she would say, um, you should live and be well with your second mother. Which is fine. Only the problem was that after my father crossed over, she still said it. You should live and be with your second mother. At one point, I stopped and I looked at her and I said, okay, this is the deal. In order for me to live and be well with my second mother, you would have to remarry, die, and he would have to remarry. I don't think reality answers to that. <laughs> so the question is going to be, how do we negotiate the experience which is outside of our own experience? And there is a way in which there's another voice that Elbi Nachman carries, and that's his grandeur, right? And in that voice, he sees himself parallel to Moshe Rabbeinu. Right. That's going to be the challenge here. When he's in his greatness, and when he's in his smallness. And I think that possibly this is a sentence to say, am I ever going to be able to gap that? Right? I have moments of clarity, but they're like the wave in the ocean. They come up for a moment, and I'm Moshe Rabbeinu. And when the last student walks out of the Beit Midrash, I sink back to being who I am, who I am other times. So that's why, that's why I, do see it, I do see it as an honest, here I do see it as an honest statement. Whether in his lifetime, which Rabbi Nachman is going to get there? <laughs> which Rabbi Nachman is asking? That I think we can hold that we can hold that space for that question, but I do think that there is a voice of his that truly. Just, I want I want to know one day. I want to know one day of no doubt, and then I'll have amnesia. Okay, fine, but I want to know, and then tell me that there was a day you don't remember it. Fifty mm -hmm. first dates. Right. <laughs> that's a, that's what the Torah is. That's what reading the parasha is. <laughs> Fifty-four. <laughs> <laughs> that, right? We had one date, and we go back to it again and again. Um, one more line. Vata Adonai Eloheinu, Avinu Ata, and now. Our God, you are you are our father. You are our mother. Anachno achomer v'tayut zreno. Straight to yomim noraim. We're the matter. You're our creator. Umasei adecha kulanu. You made us. Horeni velamdeni. My say umayfal. Teach me what to do, how to do it. Show me and teach me what to do, how to act. Right, he's connecting himself here to Moshe Rabbeinu. Continuously, that's his negotiation piece. Right, 
תדמיין למלאכים ממש, וכבר שברו כל התאוות לגמרי, ולא היה להם בחירה מצד התאווה בשום דבר שבעולם. Is it possible within the human condition to surpass choice? It is. Is it possible to break personal desire? It is. We have evidence of it. We have Moshe Rabbeinu. We have all those other tzadikim, what he, who we call tzadikim. Tzadikim gedolim v'noraim, these amazing tzadikim. Now he also calls them, they are likened to angels. That's going to be the challenge. Right? They have this ability to break all of their desires completely. Is that the image of the breaking of the Luchot? Is that what Moshe was doing? I always say a broken heart is an open heart. Is that what was happening? And they came, that is true. They broke all of their desires and they no longer had choice. Mitzada Tava. Here I want to, I do want to pause here and write and say, their desire no longer lurked. Whatever came because of the human condition, for that they were protected. But whatever comes from the, from the divine revelation, that was still, there's still a realm of doubt there. Can we truly, as human beings, ever truly comprehend the nuances of what God is saying to us? That's going to be the question that continuously Nabi Nachman is going to be holding on to. Last question, yeah. Why is Tava for him automatically something that needs to be broken unless at odds with God's desires? Why are the human desires? Right, why is Tava automatically something that needs to be broken? Great, because it's a question of how, uh, how one relates to the world. So if one relates to the world, as Rabbi Nachman is really offering here, as a way of saying, the world, the human condition, the physicality, our human desires is what stands between us and God. So it's human I, desires to marry and start a family, that's in, in line with God's desires. Correct. But then again, that's going to be very regulated, what that looks like. And is that... Is that sanctifying? Is the call in our tradition to sanctify that in order to sanctify the world we're in? But the ascetics in our tradition, like ascetics in other traditions, will, will always be at odds with the physical world, with the physical being, and will render it as that veil between us and God. And that's why for him, that is going to always be that challenge. In other words, as a human being, I'm always going to be in struggle with my human desires, with my human needs, and also with the limitations of what my comprehension are going to be. That's going to be the ongoing question. May we hold a space um, for questions for each other. May we hold a space for process with each other in terms of making our journey between the knowing, the not knowing, the not yet, the sometimes, the what if, and um, may each of those steps, regardless to the direction they take us, may they be in the presence um, of God with an aspiration to hear more. Amen. Amen.